Hello and welcome. This is Lights Out and away we go with the episode. With the Fun One podcast for fans and by fans. I'm Will and as I look across the digital garage, as always, I'm joined with my co-driver, or shall I say my co-host Sam. Hello Sam, how are you? Hello Will, hello listeners. I'm very well, thanks. Not too bad. Speaking to you from a cabin on oh. the south coast. It's very one of the good. bits of the south coast that's not flooded, thankfully. Very good. For us, that, but, um, you did say you were going to be in a hot tub, and I was hoping you'd be dialing in from the hot tub. But uh, <laughs> is that that must be for later? That must be post post pod activities for you. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I don't. I think the background noise. Never mind the risk of me dropping a load of recording <laughs> gear into a hot tub is yeah pretty high. So I thought I'd save that for afterwards. How are you? How's your, how's your weekend been? Yeah, very good. It's uh, it's my birthday tomorrow, so I was away at my parents uh, up in the, in Cheshire, and I was at the uh, local fireworks. Went for a nice, lovely Italian meal in the centre of Wimbledon. I sat next to, sat behind Matteo Kovacic, the Manchester City midfielder. Oh wow! Oh, I hope yeah. you watched your ankles. Uh, he was sat down, so they were my ankles were fine. But he, oh, good. He, yeah, he sat right behind me. Um, <laughs> but a lovely photo of the back of his head. Um, he's kind of one of those players that's not big enough to to ask for a photo, really. Especially if you're like I'm a Wigan fan, so not that much interest. But if you know, if it was Haaland or someone a bit more exciting, Sean I'd ask Maloney. For a photo. Yeah, Sean Maloney. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, ben um, Watson, yeah. Ben Watson so, yeah, someone proper A list, exactly. Well, you know, if it's yeah, Harland or Pep or Grealish would have got Franco DeSanto. No, you, this, all this Wigan trivia from 2013, <laughs> 14 coming back to you. Um, I won't, I won't ask you to name a Wigan player of this season, but um, yeah, no, I mean, Wigan did win at the weekend against Exeter for the second time, so that was very satisfying. Well, Exeter are just terrible, aren't they? We've discussed yeah. this on the podcast before, and yeah, 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 yeah sad times for all Exeter fans out there. Yeah, I mean, my team won. Your team, Arsenal, lost in controversial style. And let's not. Yeah, well, well, yeah let's, we'll, we'll brush past that because we usually sometimes stop on football, but we'll move past that. Let's just go straight to Formula One. Yes. Uh, I was driving back, so I listened to the five live coverage, which was actually quite entertaining because uh, whenever it like buffered, it would then, it wouldn't skip it, it would pause. So like, I think we listened to the Formula One for what must have been nearly three hours because it buffered a couple of times. So the race did drag out, but I heard I heard all of it bar the very first four laps i think it was hmm. um but you know oh so you didn't hear any of the red flag instant no, no stuff but I've, like I've caught up on the highlights of that um Good. but yeah what did you make of the race uh, it's, you know it's one i love i really look forward to brazil mm. every year mm. and it was a bit of a downer this year yeah. i mean not just because of how it went for certain teams and certain drivers which we'll discuss but <laughs> i just thought in general it was a bit meh i mean the most exciting thing that happened all weekend was the last the very the right at the end of the very last lap and one of the grandstands roof got ripped off by a massive gust of wind and a storm and what you know so yeah i don't know it wasn't brilliant I, i'm not a massive i mean i think we're going to save the sprint discussion for another podcast aren't we but i'm yeah, not a massive yeah. fan of the current format seemingly along with everybody else who is either a fan of or involved in the sport so hopefully the faac fits change that for next season but um yeah in general it was a bit of a meh grand prix i thought um there was an interesting couple of laps where it looked like lando might challenge max for the lead but as soon as that sort of ended and Max managed to keep him behind, he just stepped on the pedal a bit. I think showed Red Bull have definitely got some pace in hand, probably kicking around the kicking around the car somewhere. So, yeah, it wasn't the most exciting race. I mean, the first lap obviously was interesting because there was that big crash at the beginning, yeah. um, which all, it didn't seem like it was anybody's fault really. So there's not really a huge amount to discuss there. It's quite a narrow turn into turn one down there. Um, and yeah, a couple of drivers didn't really have anywhere to go. So yeah, apart from that instant, um, and then obviously the battle for third between Alonso and Perez at the end, which we should cover because that was quite good. Um, it wasn't yeah, it wasn't the best race. I wouldn't say you missed a classic. Um, 
Yeah, it's a bit no. of a shame, really, because I do, I do love the Brazil Grand Prix, as you know. Yeah, yeah. The, the the radio commentary was saying this has been really quite dull, and when it looked like there was going to be a battle for the lead, they got really excited, and they're like, "Oh, we've just been massively let down there because <laughs> we had four corners of quite close fighting, and then nothing at all." Um, I mean, yeah, another Max win, his seventeenth of the season. Pretty, yeah, I think you're right. Pretty, pretty safe for him. Yeah, yes, he. I think was it was that the first time we've seen Max lead a race where. Someone has become within DRS range of him. Have I made that up? Because I, I, I don't remember it happening. I mean, it may well have done another another mm. stage during the season, but I don't remember it if it did. Um, yeah. So it shows how rare it is for sure. Yeah, and the, I think as well, it shows you how good that Red Bull is. That he can still he can battle. He can be sort of caught out with a battle with Norris, and then, like I say, pull away. I think he he won by eight seconds, which is. Mm, it's you know it's not it's not a, it's quite a reasonable gap considering the other gaps we had recently, but I think you know the last couple of races the gap between second and first has been closing, whereas this was this was routine mm-hmm. for him. And you know I, I, the pessimist me thinks this is going to be twenty twenty four, which is going to see him absolutely walk it again. I'm I'm just not feeling too optimistic at the moment. No, I can understand why. Um, I do think I do think they had quite a lot of pace in hand actually. Red Bull. I don't. I, I think almost Lando's. Lando getting into DRS range and then having a bit of a lunge sort of caught them out a little bit maybe or caught Max out. Mm. Um, and I think as soon as, yeah, as I say, as soon as he defended that position, I think he just realised oh, I need to open a little bit of a gap here and just did. You know, like it wasn't difficult. Um, I think that's that's quite a telling moniker really for the rest of this season or well, the next couple of races and obviously the start, probably the start of next. I think you're probably right. I think we are unfortunately going to be in for another Red Bull Max Verstappen Mastercast next year but you never know fingers crossed hopefully yeah. hopefully some teams can pull themselves together and put put together a competitive package but it looks pretty bleak I think for, for everybody chasing Max at the moment because even in a race where Lando was very very good he was very good yet again um, and he did threaten for the lead very briefly he didn't really lay a glove on Max after that point so yeah tough times yeah, I think one of those it's one of those debates that we've had before with our good friend of the podcast, Richard, um, about what difference the driver makes and what difference the car makes. And we've always said that, you know, the car is like sixty, seventy percent and the driver is that that the, the final bit, but they can they can really make a massive difference. Whereas it you know, from what they were saying on the commentary about how the battle went, it didn't seem like Lando was off it. It sounded like he drove the car really well and he was, you know, good at managing the tires. And it, you know, at the end of the day, when it, when someone is driving as well as he is and inform as he is, it is just the difference that the car makes, and that that gives Max so much confidence that he just knows he's in an absolute weapon that he can just you know attack and defend whenever he means to and pull away whenever he needs to. And it's um, yeah, I think I think you know, like you say, there's not much more to analyze really because they, in the commentary they didn't get mentioned again on the in the in the five live commentary until Max crossed the line and that was it basically. It's job done. Um, yeah. Yeah, I suppose we should come on to the race for third. Then, I mean, a great a great battle from Perez and Alonso. Like I say, it was kind of building for quite a few laps. Alonso being very creative, changing his his line as he was going mm. through corners, trying to get any advantage, trying to throw Perez. Perez then goes for it on the penultimate lap, and it gets the overtake done. But yeah, some masterful driving from Alonso to set up the move in the first corner. So then, by the fourth corner. Pull a, pull alongside him and jump ahead of him and then defend it through the rest of the course and then you know was it 0.05 seconds the gap yeah. as they crossed the line and the photo is amazing that I it sounded like the photo was the gap was bigger as they crossed the line but actually it's, it's whiskers isn't it it's really really close mm-hmm. um, 
What did you make of Alonso's masterful defence? It was masterful. I think that's exactly the right word. Um, it was... He's such a... He's very... He's just a very clever driver, I think. I mean, he's brilliant, obviously. Um, bags of pace. Um, and just a fantastic driver in general. But I think in those situations where it was, it was clearly going to be quite a tactical end to the race for them because... I think Alonso knew the Aston Martin probably did have the pace at some point to get back past the Red Bull potentially. But if he gave up track position at the wrong time, he was going to leave himself in a really tricky situation. So I, I don't think he let Perez through in the penultimate lap or anything like it. But I think as soon as he saw Perez go for it in the penultimate lap, I think there was that little glimmer of hope that he thought, mm, I've got still an opportunity then because I've got two big long straights to come and uh, can have a pop on the last lap. And he just timed it. Just the timing of it was absolutely perfect. You know, he didn't didn't overdo it on the straight, forced Perez into a bit of a defensive position on in turn one. And as we've seen previously, so I remember, you remember when Hamilton won there from the back back of the grid twenty twenty one. It was the exact move he put on Max there, where he sent sent a bit of a dummy up the inside, got Max defending into turn one, and then saved it all for the following straight. And Alonso did the exact same to Perez and managed to take him with GRS, which was yeah, it's just a brilliant uh, move. And then yeah, the race for the line was. Absolutely brilliant. I've, you know, we, don't, we don't often see finishes that close. Um, I was a bit annoyed with the, I have to say, I do think the Sky Sports, uh, uh, what do you call it? The direction. The, the, the direction. Video, yeah, yeah, the video yeah. direction was just pretty, it's pretty poor all, all day, actually. Mm. They missed quite a lot of interesting things. Oh, um, really? But they cut away like at the point at which the two cars started like drag racing up the, up the straights. So you don't actually get to see them cross the line as closely as you'd like. It was only when you see the photo afterwards you realise just how close it was, and you had to rely on the commentator saying, "Oh, and they finished less than a tenth apart." And it was like, "Well, oh. I'd have liked to have seen them finish less than a tenth apart rather than being told about it." So yeah, that was a bit a bit frustrating. But yeah, it was really good. Um, yeah, full credit to Alonso um, holding back a much faster car and then timing his um, his counter attack, let's say, perfectly. Brilliant. Mm. I wonder if Prez felt wishes now that he he should have done it, he attacked her on the final lap. Yeah, he should. Hundred um, percent. Because he, you know, he 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 just gave Alonso an opportunity, didn't he? Whereas if it's the final lap, it's done and dusted. And he would have been, you know, if if, if the roles had been reversed going to that final corner, I think he would have been, he would have easily pulled away by a bit bigger than the gap was at the end. But um, I mean, I mean for Prez, that's probably his best performance in a long time, right? He came through the field. And to just be pipped on the line, that's that's pretty good going. And Alonso, you know, we've said that the Aston Martin's been absolutely nowhere. They kind of shot back up the, the grid this weekend. They did, and and he was he was on form when they needed him. Yeah, they did. I have no idea where the Aston Martin pace came from. I've not actually got it. Got had a chance to look at whatever they what, what they did to the car over the course of the weekend because I've been on holiday and managed to cut away a few hours to watch the race on Sunday. But that was about it. Um, so yeah, I really want to look at what they've done to try and find out why they've jumped up so far. But yeah, I mean, you know something strange has definitely happened when Lance Stroll's qualifying P3. Yeah. <laughs> no disrespect, Lance, but come on. And he, and he finished he finished well as well, didn't he? he well, yeah, of... he took Lewis Hamilton in the Mercedes, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they've clearly fixed, they fixed, fixed something about that car, haven't they? Yeah. Um, but yes, no, really good weekend for Aston Martin. And yeah, I guess it kind of makes it an interesting couple of races ahead now because I'd, I'd sort of discounted them, really, mm. from, from a championship perspective certainly in terms of um, the battle with McLaren, but uh, it could be quite interesting now, given the, the the sort of seeming relatively equal on pace. Yeah, yeah. And I think they've they've been very open, Aston Martin, saying that, you know, they've, they've been using the last couple of races as just testing sessions to try and find out what's going wrong with their car mm-hmm. and to set them up for 2024 because testing is so limited and so precious 
you know, fair play to them. If they've, if they've suddenly found that pace that they had at the start of the season that sets them off into a good place 2024, then that, that's really good. I mean, I did almost suspect had they switched cars with Mercedes because that car <laughs> did not go well. But, um, yeah, I think you say, like, you know, for if you're Christian Horner, you've got to be pretty happy with Perez. He starts ninth and gets up to fourth and should have, you know, could have been, could have been third. Mm. Um, I do think, I do think it reminds people of, of the genius of Alonso. I think it's one of the best drivers of his career and, you know, to, to be 42 and to be that, to be that on it and just to be playing that well at, at, at this end of the season. Um, you know, he, does, he really did deserve that, that third place. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was great. I suppose mm. we should, we should come on to Mercedes then. Um, yeah, well, we're, we're, winners for the week. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I was close thinking the Latifi, but I've got, I've got a different one, which I'll come on to in a minute. Okay. Um, where, where, where do we start with Mercedes weekend? You know, Lewis finishing eighth, having qualified fifth. And at one point looking like he was going to qualify, he was going to challenge Lando for second in the, in the restart. And, uh, Russell, he qualified eighth and retired because of an, a potential fault that with the car. Hmm. Yeah. Where, 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 where do you, where do you want to start? Uh, so the recipe for a fast Formula One car is a car that's fast down the straights, relatively quick with lots of downforce through the corners and that doesn't chew its tyres up. And all three of those things were things Mercedes really, really screwed themselves out of basically across the wow. weekend. Uh, it was incredibly slow, relatively speaking. Barrymore stood a Formula One car, so it could still do 200 miles an hour. But compared to its competitors on the straight, it was very slow and it was sliding all over the place in the corners and if you've seen any of the onboards but like lewis and george were fight both of them were fighting the car all the way around the circuit and it's not you know i mean it's not a super high g circuit there are quite a few slow corners and then the straights are big long straight ones you know it's not there aren't loads of high speed corners as it were there's a couple towards the end of the lap but not many um so seeing them slide around uh yeah it was very poor and the reason for the latifi really is that a team with that those resources just shouldn't find themselves in a position where they're struggling on setup as badly as they are because it's not you know the car's not great i think we're all agreed that the car isn't brilliant but it's still finished on the podium pretty consistently this year they're probably going to finish second in the constructors um short of a miracle from somewhere else down the grid over the next couple of races and they have got pretty close the last couple of weeks i mean lewis finished p2 confirmed last time and finished p2 obviously with a dodgy worn plank the week before <laughs> um like they were, it looked like they were making progress and they were in the fight. And I was feeling pretty, as I, as you know, I was feeling very bullish about Lewis's chances us on Sunday. Um, so yeah, to see them as as poor as they were on pace and basically slower than sort of four other teams on the grid um, was quite a surprise. And yeah, seeing Lewis overtaken by Lance Stroll in an Aston Martin that last week, I mean, it hasn't finished a race for three weeks, geez, but like when it has, it's finished like fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth, like it. Yeah, it was pretty embarrassing, and I can understand why both drivers were in a kind of very frustrated state post race. And yeah, I just don't. I sort of I do I do accept that having only one session to set the car up for a race isn't ideal, and I do think that's something that the FIA and people should look at when they think about setting up weekends for sprints next year because it does seem a bit unfair, particularly with like changeable weather and stuff. They should have the option to make more changes in advance and have more time to test things, but um, everyone else had the same. You know, had the same operating parameters as mercedes and they just got it massively wrong this weekend yeah um and yeah to drop down from clearly the second fastest car and some mad people predicting them to potentially win the race <laughs> to crazy people yeah yeah to being arguably the fifth fifth slope you know fifth fastest car was in the space of a week 
it's kind of baffling and I thought Toto's comments were afterwards were quite telling he's just like it's just not good enough and you know Lewis saying two more races in this car and then you can go away have a break and come back and hope, hope the one next year is a bit better um, yeah very frustrating and then obviously George had a DNF as well because they had a cooling issue just yeah a catalogue of issues and errors and problems really and yeah I think they've got they've got a lot to do over the next couple of weeks or couple of races just to really cement I guess hope for the drivers and the fan base probably but um for us <laughs> for us yeah well this is it I mean yeah we're sort of we're pretty close to pinning our hope on a McLaren or a Ferrari probably next year ahead of a Mercedes if if if, it, if we don't see some progress but yeah it's um it's a shame and yeah they just had a very poor weekend and, and in a weekend where there weren't really a catalogue of errors from the usual suspects like the FIA or Sky Sports notwithstanding my comments about the video editing earlier um or the what was it not video editing what did I mean the TV direction the TV that's the one TV direction um short of awarding a Latifi for for dodgy TV direction um there weren't many candidates left so I thought Mercedes were probably worth another one for them unfortunately yeah uh, I mean I, I was weighing it up um but yeah, no. I mean, it's. Cra- I think also what's crazy is that you know this time last year, George won the sprint and he won the Grand Prix, and that was probably in a car that was worse overall than this year's car. I don't know. They've got less. They, you know, they have less well constructors points this year than they had last year. Really? Wow. Yeah. I wow. mean, I know they're more spread out because the you know other teams like Aston Martin and McLaren have been much better this year than last, so there haven't been so many kind of slam dunk Mercedes points finishes, but. Um, yeah, I do think there's something in that. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to say they've gone backwards, but they've not really gone forwards no. for my money. Well, you think you think this year's car is just a mess of a car because it's it you know it wasn't where they started the season. They started with the no side pods again, and then they junked it. You know, a couple of races in, so they've had to sort of play catch up with that. I mean, maybe maybe we all got a bit won over by the recent performance of it and think, oh, you know, they're up to second. The the, the upgrades they brought in Austin have, have improved it. Whereas actually there was, they were just circuits that really benefited the car and actually underneath it's still an absolute monster and a beast of a car. And, you know, I think you're right. Like it was interesting, the comments that Toto was saying afterwards, I think he said this car doesn't deserve a win. Whereas I've not really felt like it's been that level of car compared to the W13 when the W13 would like literally wreck Lewis's back because it was bouncing so much. They don't, they seem to have had more unexplainable problems in the tw- in last year's car, whereas this year's car just seems to be they're just lacking performance. And mm. again, this is this this happened in Austin slightly differently, but like they struggled with only having one practice session to do everything they needed to to set them up for the race weekend. Hence, why they didn't spot the issue mm. with the floor being worn away. Again, they've had one issue this weekend, uh, one practice session this weekend, and no, they they they've looked awful. I mean. I'm watching the um, the highlights. The I think it was the F1 TV commentator that was on the highlights on on YouTube, and he was saying, "Oh, look, that's another slam dunk easy pass for the Alpine." Oh, mm-hmm. there's another one for science. Like it was the ease that everyone passed them, not because Mercedes weren't fighting; so they just they, the drivers couldn't fight because the performance was so stunning. It, it genuinely looked like from the the highlights that they were overtaking backmarkers or, you know, an F2 car. It looked, it just looked so slowly, mm-hmm. uh, going so slow. And, uh, yeah, I reckon Lewis and George must be pretty, pretty pissed off and pretty, uh, pretty fed up. And especially Lewis, he's such a special race for him. And he probably did think he had a chance. And then he's probably quite shocked to see the car 
Yeah, this this whole how Mercedes manager weekend thing is a bit of a recurring theme now, isn't it? Mm. I think mm. um, there have been a lot of occasions the last couple of years where we've commented on the fact that Mercedes' first free practice session generally goes badly, and then they steadily yeah. improve the car over the course of the next couple of free practices, and then they're somewhere in qualifying, and then they find the car's actually got some good race pace and finish, you know, respectably somewhere in the somewhere in the order. I do think they need to like figure out what they do in that first session, particularly on sprint weekends, because you can't. You can't start from so far behind. Never mind the concept of the car is already like not clearly not up to scratch and not not competitive with Red Bull and others. Um, but yeah, like at least the weekend and the plan to get as, extract as much performance as possible should be better for sure. Mm. And I think that's something that I think like Toto and others will probably be seriously worried about going into next season. Alongside many of the other things we talked about recently, you know, the pit stops and stuff. Again, there were a couple of pretty slow ones yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah. The strategies, strategies weren't brilliant. Yeah. I know that I know they've really struggled on their tires, and that's why they had to think about doing innovative things on the strategy and try the undercuts and stuff. But yeah, it's yeah, a pretty pretty dire weekend. But them. on the on the on the strategy, what's also a bit concerning, and then we've this has been a theme for our. Oh, I don't know how many races now. It's been a big theme for a lot of races recently. They just don't seem to know what the plan is to manage their drivers. There probably is the the mindset of let them race, but too often it seems it just seems confusion. But also they didn't seem they've got the the priorities order. That surely the priority is Lewis getting second, right? And just or maximizing. I you know for me I was listening to it yesterday. I thought oh maybe the priority is to get Lewis second, but maybe on reflection now as I'm as I'm saying this, maybe they just need to do everything together. To, to get second in the constructors but it, it just I just get the sense that they're not pulling in the same direction there's confusion between the drivers about who's leading and who gets to pass who and it, it I've, I was almost going to give him a little TV but I'm giving an honorable mention to it he's got he's got very close but I just did not like the tone of George's messages I just thought it was very arrogant very cocky very demanding um the particularly one who said I've not been on the radio because I think it's quite obvious you know why haven't you let me pass or why have I not through like you're against a seven-time world champion, you know. Just, just brain yourself in a little bit there. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just, I just comes across quite arrogant in, in a way that, you know, his performances haven't lived up to to demand that sort of behaviour. Really, mm-hmm. um, but again, that that comes back to the team. Why are they? Why is the, Where's the plan? Why are they saying? You know, they, they, if they're following each other, surely they should find out quite quickly who needs to be in the lead or who's gonna, who's quicker and who's gonna let one pass. It just seems like. At the moment, it just seems a lot of George arguing over the radio or them clashing on the track. Yeah, it's the, it's a team still very much set in a kind of winning world championships comfortably kind of mindset, I think. Uh, if you look at how Ferrari work their drivers together and the same goes for McLaren and Aston Martin sometimes as well, they are all teams that haven't challenged for world championships for a while. They're all used to battling for as many points as possible and finishing as high up the constructors as they can. I don't think Mercedes really think like that, and they probably should have done this this season. Really, mm-hmm. with hindsight, um, I don't. I mean, I obviously want Lewis to finish second, and I think it would be an interesting kind of tale of the season if he did manage to finish second. But I think from a Mercedes perspective, they should really have like a very clear kind of objective in mind. And in situations like this weekend as well, well, like, and we've talked about this before. Fine, if they're fighting over a podium or or even a race win, or there's something competitive to go for in the championship, by all means, let them race. But in this situation, like they should have had a much clearer plan in place because they weren't challenging for the win based on the pace. They weren't challenging for podiums based on the pace. But if they had told Lewis and had a conversation at the start, like Lewis, if you find yourself with George behind you and he's being attacked, let's do the kind of Carlos Sainz DRS bants 
and we'll try and keep them behind as much as we can and work as a team. But it was quite obvious they hadn't had that discussion at all. And I can understand, like, I think I agree with you. I think the tone of George's messages and stuff, you probably need to think about that because, as you say, he is up against a, well, he's, he's teammates with a seven-time world champion and I get the kind of drive to to be better. But yeah, the way he communicates sometimes, it's not, I don't think it's conducive to getting what he wants, let's say. No. Um, and yeah, I, although in this situation, I probably think George probably did have a bit of pace on Lewis and maybe they would, they should have let him go, let him through. But like that should have been a, should have been a team decision that was made long before any radio messages were needed, as we've seen from every other team, basically whenever that kind of thing happens. But yeah, it's just not, it's all very dysfunctional at the moment, isn't it? Um, mm. Yeah, it's hard to see. And this is why I think it's such a letdown well, for, from a fan perspective, because we both agree, I think, you know, a Mercedes-Lewis Hamilton package is the most likely one to challenge Max next year. With the yeah. team in its current situation, the drivers doing, you know, behaving as they are, the package overall not working particularly well, senior members of Mercedes leaving, you know, Mike Elliott's just gone, isn't he? Um, there's not a lot there to really pin your kind of hopes on <laughs> so no but then michael the the was he chief technical officer he, he was yeah took he was the one to took responsibility and he had you know ownership of the w13 and then they brought back in james allison who was doing some other projects um who's a very well renowned um you know technical director of four one teams and he's been in the team for a while but like he's the it said that the w15 is, is his car so hopefully he can fix it and correct it but you're right it, it just doesn't seem that mercedes have their house in order and it's kind of good that they're not champion, challenging for championships at the moment because if this was playing out for wins and for crucial points like they would just be the victim of their own success and they'd almost be a bit like ferrari and that's what ferrari have been like for the last five six years where they've just got complacent they've not they've not had their strategy team well they've not had the pit, pit stop crew well um like they've just made a lot of unforced errors and self-inflicted areas, whereas you look at Red Bull at the moment and look at Mercedes at their in their at the height, they're just clinical. They just, they, they don't make mistakes. They're just really on it. Whereas, you know, Mercedes, I think they say, are a victim of their own success and probably acting like they are a world championship team winning mm-hmm. team. When you know the reality is they're not not that as well. We we, um, we should have said by the way at the start of the podcast that Max has broken another record this weekend. Uh, what, what, what's the record again? Ascari's win percentage from the fifties. Wow. So I think it's like seventy-seven percent now or something. Uh, Max of Max has won seventy seven percent of the races this year, and it's obviously going to go up. So, or it can't go down from here. So, yeah, he's broken another record that stood for seventy wow. something years. I think as well, he's won five hundred and twenty four points, and the next team above, like closest that is above. I mean, behind Red Bull is Mercedes on three hundred eighty two. <laughs> like it's just silly, it's just silly. Um, and he's you know he's going to win the next. He's going to win the next two races, so he'll finish the season on 19 race wins, probably. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, fair play to him. Incredible. But, uh, yeah, well, the predictions game, you, you did boldly predict Max to win. Uh, no, uh, Max, Lewis. Lewis, you did You did boldly predict Lewis to win. I did. And uh, I actually felt sorry to you when I, for you when I saw that how it was unfolding. I thought, you know, that's, it would have been so <laughs> it would have been so good if it come off. But not even to be in the conversation and, yeah, just to go backwards rather than forwards is... Not what you want to see, uh, especially when we were hoping on someone else that wasn't Carlos Sainz or Max Verstappen or Perez mm-hmm. to win a race. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, on that on that depressing note, we'll take a quick break, and hopefully, when we're back from the break, we'll be in jollier spirits. <laughs>
Hello, welcome back from the break. Hope you've had a jolly old time. Uh, we were just getting excited for Sam's trip to the hot tub straight after this episode is finished <laughs> recording. So, uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be thinking of you as I'm editing the podcast. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> we're, we've picked ourselves up uh, from the depressing tone at the end of the first half when we talked about Mercedes. But we should just go back, uh, talk about uh, two things that I, we need to do before we get on to prediction game results. First, uh, the Myla Tifi. Uh, I've decided to give it to Esteban Ocon, who um, was going through the first corner in qualifying, was it? Yeah. Spring qualifying? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's got, yeah, turns one and two. Yeah. And oversteered, lost control of the car. Uh, and there was Fernando Alonso just finding his own business, going quite slow on a, on a slow lap, uh, but just on the race, just slightly off the racing line. Uh, and Ocon lost control of the car and properly smashes into the back of him. <laughs> big repair job for both Aston Martin and for Alpine um, and so that's not that's not the reason why he's getting the Latifi he's getting the Latifi because in his uh, interview straight afterwards he's like yeah I did not lose control of the car that was completely Alonso's fault and he did send a very expletive filled radio message blaming Alonso for the crash when it's you know I think nearly everyone Baris and Ocon would say it was Ocon, Ocon's fault so uh yeah, I, I think he deserves that one. And I did see someone comparing him to Roman Grosjean, someone that regularly scores points, but it's just got some absolute blunders in it. And I do think that now shoots him up to the... I think he's had the most Latifis of any driver this season. So uh, congratulations to him. And he'll have to wait till the end of the season to see if he's claimed that award for being the most latifi driver this season in our <laughs> debut of the Latifis. Um, the second thing we should come on to before the prediction games is Charles... Leclerc's race, or shall I say his lack of a race, because on the formation lap, he spun off uh, and was out of the race. Yep, Sam, your thoughts? You mean Charles and Leclerc? <laughs> yeah, unlucky. Terrible joke, terrible uh, terrible fortune. That's a very dad fortune. joke, and you are a dad, so you can deliver that joke, so well oh, done. Thanks, mate. I mean, I'm I'm proud to say I was very capable of delivering such terrible jokes pre baby <laughs> arriving, but um, yes, uh, I'm really leaning into it now. Um, yeah, he so he lost hydraulics, um, but a few a few people were straight on Twitter saying it was driver error. Definitely was not driver error. Um, he lost hydraulics <laughs> wow. in the car uh, and uh, speared him off the road and uh, had a massive uh, shunt in the formation lap. He he's he's got to be one of the most unlucky. Formula One drivers ever, yeah. Right? Surely, yeah. I, I mean, don't... he did say that as he as he got as he crashed the car. He was like, "I'm just the unluckiest." But yeah, and he's so good. It's so frustrating. It's really frustrating because I, I really like him. Like, I, I I do think he'll win the championship at some point. He'll he'll find himself in the right place in the right car, the right time. Um, and he is fantastically fast. You know, he's Mister Saturday. He always qualifies really well. Puts the car on pole on weekends. He has no right to. Just generally a fantastic driver and just seemingly a really nice bloke as well. Um, so yeah, just perennially beset by misfortune. And this season, it's just been an absolute joke. You, you sent me through the list of things that's gone wrong. Do you want, do you want me to run through it just for yeah, fun? Yeah, go on, go on, run okay. through. So Bahrain DNF, Saudi penalty, Australia DNF, Baku no issues. P two and sprint, P three in the race. Well done, Baku. Miami he had an issue, but also the car was shit. Um, Monaco, penalty. Spain, problems in qualifying. Pit lane start. Canada, massive strategy issues in qualifying. 
Austria, penalty and sprint shootout. P2 in the race, no issues. Hooray. Silverstone, electrical issue. Strategy issues in the race. Hungary, a nine-second pit stop and he had no water. Spa, <laughs> Spa no issues. Finished P3 in the race. Just there's a, there's a theme here. When there's no issues with the car, Charles Leclerc finished as well. Fact. Uh, Netherlands did not finish. Monza, no issues. P4 in the race. Hooray. Singapore, cooling issues during the race. Some strategy issues. Japan, no issues. P4 in the race. Qatar, penalty in the sprint. Maximize the race result. Well done him. Austin, disqualified. Mexico, no issues. P3 in the race. Brazil, lift and coast during the whole sprint. Didn't even manage to start because he lost hydraulics. <laughs> and, and, and that doesn't even consider all the crap that happened to him last season. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> it just I feel bad for him. He must be pulling his hair out. And yeah. he shouldn't be. He's still a young man. He should have lots of hair. Yeah. And he, that, so of those, I think well, we've had 19 races now, is it? Uh, is it 19? Mm. 19, 20 races? There were only six races there where you said that he's not had any issues at all. Yeah. Um, it's a poor hit rate. Yeah. I, f- I feel like the next piano song he releases is just going to be him screaming whilst <laughs> playing the piano because <laughs> we're just playing the, you know, breaking up a piano because, um, yeah, it really has really not gone well for him this season. And like, there have been times where he's made mistakes, but again, like you say, a lot of those issues, they're out of his control. Um, and yeah, that must be so frustrating when you're turning up, you're ready for the race and then you can't even make it to to the start, the starting line. And um, mm. yeah, I, want, I, I mean, like I say, he kind of deserves the world championship because he's such a talent. He's probably the third best driver on the grid in my, in my eyes. Um, and you kind of think, I kind of thinking like, oh, you know, it's inevitable he'll get one at one point. But I'm starting to fear now, like, is this just going to be the way his career goes? Is he just going to be unlucky and be in the wrong place at the wrong time? And it never, never quite come off. Like, does he, does he have to do something quite bold or do something like that? Because I would feel like it's real shame if he ended up with a really bad, you know, almost an infamous, like, he's had 50, 70 poles. I don't know, it's a ridiculous number of poles but his win rate is way low and it's always already way low at the moment. I think, you know, if you compare it to Verstappen, Verstappen's got a much better ratio, but um, mm. yeah, I, I feel sad for him. It's a lot of sympathy for Charles. I, I, I'm really hopeful Ferrari pull something out of the bag next year. Mm. I'm holding on to a lot of hope there because they've got a good driver lineup. Their package is flawed, but there's a good concept there, I think, at its heart. Um, yeah, I really... I really want to see Ferrari do better next year. Yeah. <laughs> not not just for Charles' sake, but for everybody else's too. Um, I mean, he's they, like 22 points, behind, 22 points behind Lando in the World Championship now. Wow. Bear in mind, Lando didn't score a point for the first like four races or more, maybe more than that. Wow. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah I do think like for the sport, it needs, it needs a competent, impressive Ferrari. And I've, I've enjoyed those seasons. There's been a few of them over the last couple of years where they've been on form and they've they've given it a real fight. Mm. Um, but then I, I I don't know I get quite sad when I see the uh, incompetent, unlucky, useless Ferrari turn up. It's kind of like Jekyll and Hyde, isn't it? One time they're amazing, and then next thing you know they're absolutely all over the place and an absolute basket case. Yeah. Uh, well, poor Charles. He'll be hopefully finish. He'll be hoping for two strong finishes towards the end of the season uh, with two races to go. Um, Let's go on to the predictions game mm-hmm. results. Obviously, we know that one of yours is not come through, but um, with the with with Vegas on the horizon, you're going to give us the, the the scores on the doors with with two races to go. I am yes, okay. So Brazil Grand Prix 2023 results. Uh, you had uh, Carlos Sainz. You predicted him to finish in fifth. He finished in sixth place. So you got one point for him. Very Thank good, you, Carlos. 
you had Daniel Ricardo, uh, who you predicted to finish in eighth. He finished in thirteenth, so you got uh, five for him. Yeah, he was unlucky. And then you he? had George Russell. Uh, you predicted him to finish in seventh, and he was f- classified fifteenth in the end after his DNF. Um, could have been worse. Could have been a lot worse. <laughs> but you picked up eight points there, so you finished on a total of fourteen. Uh, okay, not great. I had his goatedness, Lewis Hamilton, and foolishly predicted him to finish in first. No, don't, don't doubt yourself. You, you made the right call at the right time. It, was, yeah, it, wasn't, your, was... it wasn't your fault that Mercedes let you down. That's true. Yeah, screw you, Mercedes. Um, <laughs> he ended up finishing in P8. Yikes. Uh, so I got seven points for him. I had Yuki Tsunoda predicted to finish in 10th. Uh, he finished in 9th, so I picked up one point for Yuki. Great. And then I had Daddy's Favourite Boy, which as you... Rightly, right, as you remember, I was not pleased about, and I'm still not pleased about. I predicted Stroll to finish in 13th, and Aston Martin pulled a hat, pulled a rabbit out of the hat. He finished in fifth, and I got eight points to finish on a total of 16. So you've won the, won the week by two points. Wow. Wow. I thought, I thought you'd nailed it then, but wow, you've got that's so unlucky. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did so. I pre podcast well, and I had a quick chat about the, the overall sporting view of the weekend and uh, England being knocked out of the Cricket World Cup, Arsenal being shafted, and then uh, the, the, the Brazilian Grand Prix <laughs> made for a hat trick of shockers for me. And then um, the, prediction, the prediction result the pre- on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just the icing on the, the, the turdy filled cake, probably. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't quite know where Lance Straw and Aston Martin pulled that pace from. I'm, I'm going to get into some research at some point this week, find out where it's all come from. Just because yeah. I'm interested, and um, they've and maybe maybe they heard this podcast thought we need to just need to pull flat because they, Aston Martin have done the opposite to what you predicted. I think every time, every every time you've had them, yeah, 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 yeah. Very annoying. And, uh, and, yeah. Sorry, what were you going to yeah. say? I was going to say we'll, we'll do Vegas predictions in our Vegas preview episode, which we will. will be out next week. Which uh, yeah, are you, are you excited for Vegas? I, I am. Should we should we do the totals? Totals. I have got the total totals, but I know what the gap is. Okay. So what I will say is the gap was four weeks ago, twenty-seven points. Okay, I had a twenty-seven Look, point advantage. You had a twenty-seven you? point advantage. It's been whittled down. <gasps> uh, <clears throat> it is now uh, nineteen points. It was okay. it was fourteen uh, after my fantastic Kota weekend where I got zero, zero, and six. And I think you got you got three, you got tre- treble sixes. Yeah, game. yeah. So yeah. that one really brought me back into the game. I think it was down to like fourteen. And then I've had a couple of losses now, but they've been narrow ones. So I'm still in, still in with a shout. But a nineteen, I need something to go significantly wrong for you and very, very right for me. I need to avoid all Aston Martin basically for the next two weeks. I think next two races. Yeah, and if you can get double max, then you'll be quick yeah. in. Yeah, double max, double. Yeah, maybe double Red Bull. A couple of weeks would be good, or or just like double. Alfa Romeo or something, and just predict them finishing at the end at the back. Yeah, that'd be fun I mean, too. I mean, the gap is closable, That's... right? The gap yeah. is that. I, I thought I, when we set up this game, I thought it could be like I'd be there'd be like a sixty point gap, but actually, to be only eighteen points difference is it's not bad yeah. going. It's not too bad, yeah. So let's have a look. So yeah, Kota, I managed to I closed the gap by thirteen. So that was the big difference. That was the big game changer. So a couple of weeks like that. Yeah, or one yeah. one week like two, that, potentially. Yeah, even two weeks like that, you'll be. I'll be the one that'll be buying the uh, the Red Bull merch. <laughs> but yeah, the gaps previous to that were five, one, seven. Then we had a draw in Monza. Oh, yeah. uh, Zandvoort five. So yeah, I mean, generally, I would say the average gap's probably been like five between somewhere between five and ten. So yeah, so if a couple of, couple so of if you get if you get if you have a Kota type result next week, it's all it'll, all, all to play for. Oh, 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 I'm excited for this. This is going to be good. 
but I've been behind all year. It would feel a bit. I did. I did, I did look at the, when I was looking back through all the results. I think I've won two of the last ten. Wow. And I wow. think I think if I somehow do manage to like pull something out of the bag the next two races, I will feel quite dirty doing so. But you know, I will still be pleased. Well, Sam, I'll I'll get a little comparison for you. I, it could be like the 2022-2023 Premier League title race where Arsenal led for the majority of the season, and right at the end, after a, a bitter battle, um, the Abu Abu Dhabi State came through <laughs> and uh, Manchester City won the Premiership at the at the important time. So I could, that could still happen to you. Thank you so much for that <laughs> joyful comparison. Just so I'm about to go it, and get it a hot came tub to me. enjoy the rest it, of my evening. Yeah, it came to me. I thought I thought it'd end on that happy note for you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I think that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thanks very much for joining us. Remember to subscribe and leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. If you enjoyed, please do share it with a friend. Hopefully they enjoy the podcast more than Charles Leclerc has enjoyed his year. Or <laughs> should I say the last couple of years? Um, <laughs> sorry, Charles. I, I really do hope for better for him for next year. Um, follow us on Twitter. We are at Lights Out Lads. On Instagram, we are at Lights Out Pod. Uh, Will, Vegas, excited? Yes, I am. I played it on the F1 game. It's a it's an okay circuit. It's quite good fun. Quite high speed. Although someone said the circuit looks like an upside down pig. Um, <laughs> someone said it looks like the spider pig. Oh, the spider pig from Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah no, I've, I feel like it's good that it's such a big new race that's on the calendar this season. And there's a lot, there's been a lot of hype from Formula One itself about it. Um, we thought we'd, you know, have a bit of a look into it, you know, see what's been going on in Vegas and the preparations for it. It's quite intriguing and odd things that have been going on that have not, not gone down too well in, a, in Sin City. Um, so, yeah, we thought we'd give it that a bit of a preview, look into the race, make some predictions. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll have a good, a good old chat about that next time out. Look forward to that very much. Yeah, so that's all from us. Uh, Sam's off to a hot tub. That's all the best. And uh, goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.